0: Quack, quack, quack. Y'all, this is a huge game. This is a game that no one's sleeping on because it's in Salt Lake City, which is where a whole lot of good teams go to die. This is the game where, well, quite frankly, as an Oregon fan, if we lose this one, we don't deserve to be, certainly not in the playoffs. Playoffs, I can't believe we're talking about playoffs, but. Honestly, even in the Pac-12 championship game, maybe we don't deserve to be there, but Utah is such a well-coached team. We all know that no matter who's sitting on the bench, no matter who's been ruled ineligible for the rest of the season, this is a team that can surprise you just by beating the hell out of you. And so I certainly am horrified. Um, to make me possibly more afraid, maybe uh maybe less afraid, who knows? Uh, I've got a couple of experts here in their own fields. First of all, Hithleday of Addicted to Quack, the resident film reviewer and managing editor over there. How are you doing, Hithleday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh I I'm I'm very excited, but I don't know, a whole bunch of flashbacks of painful losses to Utah just uh, or which is kind of a nice memory at this point you know cuz this may be the last time we play them in a long time who knows you know uh whatever i don't even know if there's a bowl game with the with Big 10 and Big 12 i'm sure there is but i haven't had to know that in the past so Who knows?
1: There was one bowl game between the Pac-12 and the Big 12, but you probably blacked
0: out the last one. Oh, yes. I I will never say that name again. Uh, But uh, to break down this Utah roster, we really wanted to get someone who knew his stuff. And so we went to, of course, the Locked On Network, Locked On Utes, is where you should be following them on Twitter and subscribing to them, giving them five stars on over on Apple Podcasts. leave them a comment so people can find the show. Might as well do that for us while you're there. Um, uh, we got JT Worcestershire of locked on Utes. How you doing JT? I'm doing
2: fantastic. Look, looking forward to breaking down what should be a great matchup between these two teams with you guys and I. I promise to mention just Britton Covey's name right now, just since you did, <laughs> you did mention some of those fun memories. I had to, you know, just get that out of the way now and uh, and now we can look ahead to this game. <laughs>
1: I in his retirement home collecting his pension. <laughs> yeah, <right? yeah>,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was about to say I would not be shocked if somehow we saw him on the field again. They, you they know, wheel yeah. him out. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets like 140 yards somehow. Uh yeah, Hitler Day, let's just jump right into this thing uh well let's start with the quarterback position um
1: the uh uh, obviously there's you know there's been some injuries uh you know pretty unfortunate um cam rising it's been finally announced that he's you know going to sit out for the rest of the season um i believe that brandon rose who got uh banged up um in fall camp I don't think they've made anything official known about it, but I think if we were going to see him, we probably would have seen him already. Um, so uh, are are we counting Brandon Rose as also probably not going to see him either this year?
2: I don't think so. Uh, Kyle Whittingham did mention one time at a press conference that Brandon was available, but because of how long he was out, I really don't know, like up to speed level where he's at it. He would, it, at best be the third string. He might even be the fourth string right now, just where he's at. And, you know, a lot of people were, because Brandon Rose won the job in spring ball. Give him credit for that. But spring ball is also not fall camp. So even mm. before Brandon got hurt, there was already, Bryson Barnes, wit was, Coach Witt was already saying, was making up ground on him. And I still believe Especially Coach Witt being the defensive-minded coach he is, not wanting his quarterback to turn the ball over, something overall Bryson does a good job of, but I still believe Bryson would have started over Brandon game one. So this whole notion that Utah's been playing their QB3 and QB4, I just don't buy into that because winning, once again, just winning the job in the spring and winning in the fall, two completely different things. I still think Bryson would have been the starter regardless. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I buy that. Like, uh, over the summer, I was making the argument that he probably should be in. In in that, I was making the argument that he was basically the Greg McElroy of Utah. Um, that like that if he were on like Alabama two thousand eight, you know, like uh that that he'd be the 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 game manager quarterback. That if. If he were surrounded by championship level talent and all he was asked to do was game manage his way, you know, not turn over the ball, distribute it to, you know, a bunch of talented, you know, wide receivers and running backs and a great offensive line uh, and a great play caller. And, uh, you know, that that's, you know, that that he'd be perfect for and just like occasionally run the ball a little bit, just keep the defense honest, you know, that that he'd be fantastic. He'd be all you'd need. Um, you know, in that sort of Greg McElroy g- game manager role, um, I don't really think that's the position that Utah is in. Um, even before all the injuries, like I, um, except for maybe the running back room, I, I actually genuinely did think the running back room looked really good. But I don't really think that that described uh, the wide receiver room or the offensive line or the offensive coordinator <laughs> um, and, and sort of what Andy Ludwig demands out of a, a out of a, a quarterback you know, is a lot more than that. I I think that Cam Rising and and before him, Tyler Huntley, you know, did a lot of the stuff that was necessary to sort of bail Andy Ludwig
2: out of Andy Ludwig's stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. There were some issues and stuff early on, especially it felt like they couldn't quite figure out what Tyler kind of started to click that last year. Um, and look, let's go back to 2021. I mean, it was not clicking with Charlie Brewer through the first two games. Oh, so yeah, definitely. Once Cam, once Cam Rising took over, this offense kind of hit its stride a little bit. The play-action game, what they're able to do off of that has been really successful. And now it's been able to work with Bryson so far. But they have – and I can talk a little bit more about Bryson in a second. But they have – An incredibly tough task because this is the best defense I believe they've played so far this season, but Utah is really good at home, so it should make this a fun matchup, and I think it's why College Game Day and all these other big programs, the number one crew on Fox and Gus and Joel, are coming down because this should be a really fun and a really physical matchup.
1: Um, I definitely appreciate, you know, Barnes' physicality. I mean, like, I remember that – Th- there's that uh, in that Oregon, in the Oregon State game, you know, he's scrambling around, you know, he goes to scramble. I don't think the offensive line, you know, blocked it properly. And frankly, I don't think that Barnes used the right escape lane, Um, but whatever he's he's starting to scramble. And the Oregon State linebacker goes to goes to tackle him The the Oregon State linebacker winds up getting ejected for targeting because because it's a high hit. The, it's the Oregon State linebacker who winds up getting shaken up on the hit, and the yeah. like. The medical training staff have to look after him. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's crazy. I, that it's like, yeah, that's what happens mm-hmm. when you hit Bryson Barnes. <laughs> Pig farming makes you tough. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I do think, like, I j- to, like, I, I'm just, I'm not a hater or anything, but I, mm-hmm. I just to be fair, I, I don't think he has the same athletic gifts as some of the previous. Quarterbacks that have started at Utah like Rising and Huntley. Um, I, I don't, I don't think he has quite the same arm talent, um, yep. or ability to sort of improvise, which is what I'm sort of, mm-hmm. that's what I'm implying. I guess I'll state it directly. I don't think that Andy Ludwig is a very good offensive coordinator. I guess I'll just state it that way. I think okay. that Ludwig just requires your, the quarterback to improvise a lot. And that that's really what I appreciated out of Huntley and rising. And I don't quite see the same like improvisational ability or at least improvisational passing ability out of Barnes. I think that Barnes will, when he gets in trouble, he'll just, he'll, he'll run it. And I appreciate, you know, the toughness with which he runs it, but the sort of like bail Andy Ludwig out of the situations that Andy Ludwig gets himself into stuff. I sort of, I, I don't see that as much. Do do you want to push back on that JT?
2: I actually agree with you and push back at the same time, because I All think right. everything you said about Bryson Barnes is very true. Bryson to me is still a game manager. There's a reason Utah takes the ball out of his hands so frequently, and they bring in Vaki and Jaquitta yeah, Jackson, yeah, or, yeah. or not even bring him in, but just let them take snaps so many times last week. But You mean like Wildcat you know, snaps? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're talking about Bryson, you are talking to me about a guy who, if the offensive line does their job, if the running game is there, if receivers are able to create separation, Bryson can hit them. He will also miss them at times, but mm-hmm. we saw him make a couple of tough throws against USC, and we've already talked about talked about his legs and his toughness. He does a very good job of recognizing when the defenders in the secondary have their heads turned and there's a running lane for him to take. He is going. He's okay moving the ball slowly but surely. You can tell Kyle Whittingham is in his ear. Do not turn the ball over. That's the reason you. <laughs> one of the reasons you're in over Nate Johnson, and he hasn't done that for the most part. Did give up the pick six last week. That was brutal, but that's where he is still a backup quarterback and a game manager to me. But he is a guy where if everyone else is executed, He has shown the ability to make accurate throws and do some things for this team. Not going to happen every single play. If this game falls on the shoulders of Bryson Barnes, Utah will lose this contest. But Mm. if Utah can execute overall, Bryson has shown the ability to be a part of the reason Utah wins. Not the reason Utah wins. But going back to your point you made about Andy Ludwig. Look, I do think Andy Ludwig is a good offensive coordinator. I think this season especially, he was dealt a really rough hand with the quarterback uncertainty. And look, the stuff with Nate Johnson is this is where it's always tough. Like what's Andy Ludwig want to do versus what does Kyle Whittingham want to do? Because I'm watching Nate Johnson against. Oregon state, just be a drop back quarterback. And I'm like that. That's not the reason we like Nate Johnson. We like mm-hmm. Nate Johnson because of his legs, but is this because against UCLA, he fumbled multiple times, had a couple mm-hmm. fumbles against Florida too. So is that where Kyle Whittingham is in his ear, making him be something he's not, but what I like the creativity he played with this past week, where you're using more motion, you're getting a little more diverse in the run game. So much of it was zone. You see a little bit of stretch in there mixed in there too for Utah and, you know, just different formations, get the jet sweep game going again a little bit. And I go back to the wildcat packages. I just thought that was such a great move against the Trojans defense that was really struggling to stop the physical I mean, can you can you options.
1: make a wrong move against the Trojans defense? That's a though? good point though.
2: <laughs> That's good. That is a very good point um but especially just like the way I don't know how much of it is Kyle Winningham and I don't know how much of it is Andy Ludwig but whoever's call it was to move Sioni Vaki to play as much as he I mean, brilliant. On I mean, yeah, honestly, a great brilliant move.
1: move. Um, let, let's wrap up on the, on the quarterbacks. I just want to, yeah. um, make sure that I understand what the depth chart looks like in case, you know, God forbid, Nate Johnson is probably still, you know, he's the backup. Yeah. Right now. If Ranro is not available, like, you know, what's uh, boy, who's we behind Nate to, Johnson? Is
2: it Batari? Cause he came back prob- from Cal. It's probably Batari. Like I just I will say this. I would expect if something happened to both Nate and Bryson, I would expect a lot of Jaquindon Jackson and Sioni Vaki taking the snaps and Utah just yeah. doing yeah. everything they can with those guys just to try to move the chains, especially but since Jaquindon was a quarterback in high school. Yeah, no. He
1: I mean he was briefly a quarterback for for Utah. Yes, the, he was. the I get the reason I'm asking is there's nothing wrong with Nate Johnson. They've just decided no we're going to stick with Bryson Barnes, right? Like the reason we've yes. seen him over the last two games is for that reason not because he's injured, right?
2: Bryson does a better job taking care of the yeah, football okay. and he's more accurate. That is the reason okay. Bryson is starting over Nate Johnson even though okay. Nate is the better athlete.
1: All right. Running backs um, yep. Mackay um, Bernard and Chris Curry are unfortunately out for the season. Yep. Um, Jaquin Jackson, uh, as we've been talking about is interesting. He's, he's uh, like, he, he's a former quarterback. He's awfully tall. He's like six, two. He's interesting to watch run. Cause like I, uh, you know, he, he makes guys miss, like he has sort of a control of his body. That's interesting, but like, he's not, you know, most running backs are tend to be a little closer to the ground. Right. So it's sort of, sort of interesting to watch him run. Um, he actually wasn't that effective against USC. He's like the only person on the field. Who's not effective <laughs> against you. Like his, his, his run success rate. And, uh, but I don't know. Otherwise, in you know, every other game, He's He's been very good. Uh, Jalen Glover, number one. I, I didn't see that much against USC. Do you know what was going on there? Was that just like Sioni Vaki eating his lunch or do you know what was yep. going on
2: there? Sioni Vaki eating his lunch. I think that's exactly okay. what it is. Jalen got a couple of carries, and the most note—I love Jalen. He's a great guy. But the most notable thing he did was him and Landon King at a cool touchdown celebration after yeah. Landon scored. So that's kind of—I just wanted to make sure it wasn't an
1: another injury, you know? Because oh, oh they're
2: hard—they're hard to keep track of. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's understandable, but yeah, talk about these this running back room. Um, I will push back on in a little bit. I mean, I let, he did have 26 carries for 117 yards, and he averaged 4.5 yards a carry. Thought she showed good vision too. You mentioned the physicality, shake off a couple of tacklers too. And I know Jaquindon looks physical on the screen. When I was at Utah, I actually played rec basketball with Jaquindon over the summer. I can tell you, he is just, and I'm not saying I'm a a massive guy when he starts the imagination, but like you're not getting past him. The way he moves, the strength he has in general, like he's just a legit strong guy. And I I think he's a really good running back for this Utah team because he can be the hammer in some of those situations, but he is capable of breaking off a 20 yard run, finding those holes, hitting them with that acceleration and Look, I'm. You're probably going to ask me about Sione Vaki in a second, but I, I just yeah. got to talk about this guy. I mean, he has been un- incredible. I mean, I know he's yeah. A no, I, lo-
1: I love the guy. It's really like it's. It was crazy. It was that going into the USC game, his per play success rate on his touches was over fifty five percent. Um, and then. In just in the sc game alone, it was only uh, like 39%. Like the sc game alone dragged his per play success rate way down. It was like, oh, huh, what's going on yeah. here? It was, it was, it was like
2: the he's the only person in the universe to not be successful against Alex Alex's yeah. defense. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, on, on, on the ground, you're right, but I mean, through the air, had a, over 145 yards receiving. That's on those wheel routes. He absolutely dusted yeah. the trojans. And how about the cut he made for his second touchdown? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, how, no, I really and, like. His athleticism. At the, it's just like it's the way he moves the defensive so back we're talking about making yeah. cuts and moves like that are you kidding me like this guy is unreal for as good as he was as a safety i even in the pac-12 like championship game last year he was making plays for utah he's been awesome there all season for the utes and uh you can see why they put a package in and uh I mean, Jalen Glover is not a bad running back. It's just, well, you Baki, switched over that, to talk good. about
1: Sioni Vaki. Now I was, t- I was talking about Jaquindon Jackson.
2: Oh, you were um, still on Jaquindon. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I just wanted to jump in with, uh, yeah, no, you're right. I get what you're saying about Jaquindon though, too, but, um, yeah. Sioni and Jaqu- well, I'll let you get back to what you were saying. Cause I think no, I was about Jackson. Sione. It was
1: just a weird observation, but like, yeah, Sioni Vaki. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it, it has been like a real treat to watch him cook. Like, uh, you know, um, the, especially because he was doing it both ways, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. not like they relieved him of his safety duties, yep. you know, like he's, He's playing a ton of snaps. Now he's doing the Travis Hunter thing to the point where I like I, I, he's doing well, it right start now. To he's been, about he's him, better know?
2: than Travis Hunter since Travis Hunter got hurt. Yeah. Can Travis Hunter get back up to that point and pass him? Absolutely, but Travis Hunter did not look good against Stanford. I I haven't seen Sioni Vaki play like that. I haven't played bad defensively all season long. And we see the plays he's doing right now offensively. So I don't think it's a hot take to say at the moment the best two-way player no, no, in, no, well, well, in the Pac-12 is Sioni Vaki. You got to watch case.
0: out for Skataboo too cuz he that's loves that right
2: yeah, Skedrow
1: also punts. He's a three-way player. Um yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, has got he wants to if he wants to win the 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 all-around award. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's got to start doing playing on special teams. Um no, I mean, I honestly like over the last two games, yeah, definitely, you know, no question, you know, he's been the most impressive uh, you know, two-way player in the Pac-12 and the fact that we have a race about that is kind of I know, <laughs> so fascinating. I do sort of I mean, I'm not like I I'm trying to say this sincerely and not as a like fishing for reasons to hate on Utah. I sincerely worry that about his snap count because the, yep you know, Utah, I think they're hurting for playmakers at this point because of the. we're about to talk about the wide receiver and the tight end rooms. And like, I mean, there's a reason why they're playing him on offense. And yeah. also in, in a little while, we're going to talk about the safety room. I also think the safety room is sort of a, like a, a bit of a in a bit of a jam. And it's like, oh, man, you know, you've you got three different rooms, the wide receiver room, the tight end room and the safety room, uh, all of which, in my opinion, are, are in a bit of a jam. And so like Sione Vaki is like the way you're balancing your books on this one kid by having him play like 160 snaps or some crazy number like that. Like, can he sustain this? You know, like uh, I worry about
2: him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that's why you heard Kyle Whittingham in his press conference this week talk about how they're going to limit his defensive snaps, because to your point. They feel like they need him more offensively, and they absolutely need him offensively because of the lack of difference makers that really are there in the passing game. You have guys who can, whether it's Bryson missing them or guys who can't always get open, it's a bad combination, and it's led to failed success through the air all season long for Utah. Bryson Barnes only has three passing touchdowns on the season. Part yeah. of that is because of his misses. Part of that is also just because of the receivers that he is throwing to. And I do feel bad for Devon Vale because I do think but Devon is a guy who had a really good season last year. That's just where the absence of Cam rising has hurt his numbers. Yeah. But um getting no, back no, to he... So I do think Sioni, um, were you more you said you wanted to get into the safeties a little bit later, but uh yeah, yeah. As yeah. We'll, off, we'll but do but the I'll
1: defense just, in the second part. But yeah,
2: yeah, I'll just say this Sioni is going Jaquindon Jackson will get the most carries on this team. He is capable of handling the ball that many times with his physical style. He can shake off those tacklers and just get up after those hits, but I expect Sioni to be very close to him, and they could still play a very similar snap count because anytime it's a passing down, I want Sioni Vaki on the field, whether you're lining him up in the slot, which I think he's still capable of doing and making plays, or of course, having him in the backfield where he's just been such a mismatch for those linebackers to try and cover. I expect to see a lot of Sioni Vaki on offense, maybe even more than we've seen before, because I do think Utah has confidence in some of the other safeties in their room to make plays.
1: Let's talk about the defense in a little bit. We'll, yes. we'll stick with the offense here. All right, tight ends. Again, you know, some pretty unfortunate news. Brent yes. Keithy is going to be out for the season. Thomas Yasmin is going to be uh-huh. out for the season. I think before the season started, we learned Isaac Baja, uh medically retired. Yep. After a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Uh, Let's just stay with the tight ends. Um, sure. I, I have seen um, I've seen a little bit of forty-seven uh, Mickey Sugaturaga, um who I think switched over from the defensive side of the ball hey, at one You're point. correct. Um, I've seen a little bit of Meneer M- M-
2: M- 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 well, like... He's kind of become a receiver. He used to be. Yeah, I, I know that, That's where I was going. Like, I don't think he really. The other guy is Landon King enough. now. It's Sugaturaga right. and Landon King.
1: Yeah, Landon King was the Auburn transfer who came in, you know, yep. over the summer. But I, he also I. don't think is really bulked up enough to be the real like blocking like they need a real blocking tight end. Um they they need multiple real blocking tight ends, frankly, for an Andy Ludwig offense. And like I kind of don't think they have them at this point. Like I think Sugatrog is the only guy who's big enough to play the type of tight end that that Andy Ludwig needs for the type of offense that he wants to run, which is why you've been seeing more and more of these like non-traditional stuff like Vaki and like, you know, a bunch of weird or, you know, just this hasn't looked like an Andy Ludwig offense over the last couple of weeks. Um, And I think the tight end absences has really been a big part of that because they can't just line up in 12 personnel and do the normal stuff even though they have a couple of, you know, of guys like McLean and King, I, but I think the reason is because those guys aren't big enough to do that blocking. Do you think I'm onto something there? Do you think it's something else? Or what do you think?
2: you definitely are. I mean, Muneer is a receiver at this point. They don't even really ask him to do much blocking because of exactly what you talked about. And, uh, yeah, you know, Mickey is a very interesting one. The biggest loss for Utah that no one talked about because of the position he played was Logan Kendall last year. He was the Mm -hmm. blocking tight end for Utah a season ago. That guy, man, could he throw people around? He was a transfer from Idaho. Uh, shout out big guy, And uh, he got to work for Utah in the run game. They had no one on the roster. They obviously felt confident to fill that void. So what did they do? They decided to turn to a defensive end and try to turn him into a tight end. And the results have not been great. Mickey mm-hmm. has done his job at times, but there are also times he looks slow out there. He looks mm-hmm. a little lost. He will be, you know, pulling through the hole ahead, trying to carve a lane and he will miss his guy. There's just all those moments where it's his first year playing the position in live game reps. You can absolutely tell, but he does. He's a strong enough guy because he played the end that he is able to yeah. still do his job at moments. Yeah, Landon King is the guy who's more so becoming the receiving tight end for this Utah team. He can do a little bit of blocking, but yeah, he definitely needs to add weight. And that's even something Kyle Whittingham alluded to. Uh, the thing I do like about Landon King is he does just so far has a knack for the end zone. He's two of his three catches have yeah. been for touchdowns. And the one against USC, that was great recognition by him of flowing back towards the ball because Bryson was forced out of the pocket. And you see King, who had settled yeah. over the work his way back over. So I like those instincts that he has all I know the play that you're talking
1: about and I totally agree. I also really like his frame too. He just really he's he's still kind of young because he was a 2021, you class 2021 guy. And I don't think Auburn I don't think Auburn fed him right, which is weird to say. Of an Auburn SCA. hasn't
2: done a lot of things right.
1: Yeah, I know, man. Like, I, I, I've actually weirdly been studying Auburn for a long time just out of yeah. weird side projects. But, like, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, <laughs> I, I actually think Landon King has a pretty bright future for Utah. Really? I just like, just like right now, I think it's he's not quite there um and i think Mm -hmm. you've seen the results on the field um in terms of just not being quite the dude that andy ludwig's offense needs him to be to be the well i mean i think you can do other things with him i think he's a playable dude just not in the typical andy Ludwig's okay wide receivers Mm -hmm. yeah this is the position okay so first of all uh micah Pittman, uh another one out for the season yep he had the uh, femoral acetabular impingement thing, but then I think he had a different injury that's knocked him out for the season, which I mean, that sucks Former Oregon guy. You you already mentioned Devon Vele. You're right, he he had a great season. He was, you know, at points, the only receiver basically that Utah had who was worth a damn. It was crazy because he was unrated out of high school, but he was like a six foot five dude out of San Diego. It was like how the recruiting, who played football, it's not like he was a basketball player or something like that. Like, I don't know how the recruiting services missed it was like one of the biggest whiffs in the universe. Like, I can't mm-hmm. believe that. Anyway, is good. I don't really have any questions about Valey. I think that he, the fact that his number's down really just has to do with the quarterback situation and the fact that he's a wide receiver in Andy Ludwig's offense, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where um, uh, where I do have a couple of questions for you are, 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 are these, um, number one, I, I I was expecting to see more of Makai Cope, and I basically haven't seen him at all. Is
2: he hurt? I do not think so. Um, Kyle Winningham yeah. never talks about injuries. I think Dan Landing yeah. and him go to the, subscribe to the same school in that yeah. regard. But yeah, Makai is not really going to be involved. He's been out on the field maybe a couple games. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's mainly Mikey Matthews, Money Parks, Devon yeah. Bailey, and Maneer McClain are the four guys we'll be talking about right. here. Um, m- How would you evaluate Money Parks? I like Money Parks as, look, he is nowhere near one of the best deep threats in the Pac-12. I think he's another guy. I really think the wide receivers are one of the toughest positions for me to grade on this team because how much of it is them not creating separation versus when they do get open because when I go back and watch these games, I do see plays where they get open, and then whether it's Bryson locking in on another read or just, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, just him missing the throw, that's where it comes up in issues. I think Money is fine. I think he's able to do some things. I like his just ability he has to... Try to take the top off the defense. He's nowhere near one of the best in the conference at doing it, but I like just what he represents, the threat of that for Utah. And look, he started the season with a 70-yard touchdown pass. Those are the types of things yeah, he's capable I know. of doing against a defense like Oregon. That's going to be a lot tougher to do, but yeah, he's he really is kind of the deep guy. That's really what he does. You don't see it. He gets involved in the Jets sweep game. Uh, a lot of stuff over the middle of the field, but not an exceptional route runner. So I like money, but I feel like I know what he is. And there's a reason that you do see him disappear from games a lot, especially when that deep ball is covered up as defenses do a good job that's, and corners are able to stick with him. That's
1: yeah. Well, you, you said it you, that the, you, you use two different terms that were exactly the terms that I would use to di- disappear and, and corners are stick mm-hmm. mikey matthews yep. interesting first of all nice. he changed his number in the middle of the season from 81 to zero yeah, very annoying i'm with you yes on that. I'm, I'm extremely that annoyed by that <laughs> yes well i have a you know i wrote code in order to do all this tracking and it hates it when when players change numbers in the middle of game of uh, seasons. Oh. so i hate you forever mikey matthews um <laughs> true freshman uh four star um he's listed at five foot eight i think that's generous um
2: yeah I have been I've been right next to him that is generous. <laughs> uh have,
1: have you been surprised that he's sort of eclipsed uh McLean McLean as uh in terms of targets like I would have if you told me they had a a um a, a borderline four star who's 6 foot 4 from USC uh, who's been around since 2019. Uh, and they also had a true freshman who's five foot eight, who's about the same talent rating. I would have said the USC dude is the one who gets all the catches. Um, and, but that hasn't been the case. What do you think's going on there?
2: Yeah, with Maneer, he's always battled injuries. I think that's been part of it. Um I honestly didn't expect Maneer to play much of a role in this offense coming into the season because that's what mm-hmm. we still thought. Grant was going to play and Thomas Yasmin and you know, I did have high sure. expectations for Money Parks in that regard. So I really thought it was just going to be a lot of Money and Devon and then we'd get those two tight ends involved, but that's not what happened. Uh Been really impressed with Mikey the very first day after spring ball. Mikey was an early enrollee. Kyle Whittingham said he saw shades of Britain Covey in him. Kyle Whittingham does not give out comp- compliments like that easy. So that shows you how highly they think of Mikey and he has already made plays. I can- I'm, Can't believe he leads Utah in receiving yards. It's crazy. But look, he's a really quick and shifty route runner who has done a good job taking advantage of certain opportunities against the corners that the Ducks possess. I don't know if he's going to be able to have some of the better games that he's had on the season, but he is a guy with a bright future. And I wouldn't be surprised if he made a couple of crucial grabs in this game just because of how quick he is. He's
1: real quick. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, quick, you know, like sudden, you know, like sudden change direction. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. O- offensive line. OK, so uh, in the offseason, I was making my predictions about how what the composition of this line was. The ones that haven't surprised me have been number 51 Keaton Bills at left guard, number uh, 78 uh, Satoa Laumea uh, at right tackle, even though I think he projects as a guard in the NFL. um, thousand percent. Yeah, I, you know, I think he plays better at guard, frankly, but I understand given the oh, makeup of this uh, offensive line room. And I, I mean, frankly, I could take a little time out to to make fun of Jim Harding, um, who, who, who like, I, like, he's just now. Yeah. I think it's weird that he's just now decided to recruit the state of Utah. Oh well, actually, not weird. Thanks, Jim Harding, for all the recruits that Oregon's gotten out of the state of Utah. I really love Jackson Powers Johnson being able to go back to to Utah uh, and and all the other guys.
2: Jackson's nice. I remember watching him in high school. He's really good.
1: Uh, um, yeah,
2: I don't uh,
1: I'm know real while about the roster management here, but whatever, we're in the middle of the season. That's an off-season question. Um, yeah. I, I understand, given the composition of the room, why Laumea is playing right tackle. I think he's the best offensive lineman they've got. I've always liked that guy. Since the day he debuted, I've liked Laumea. Um, n- No real questions there. I think he's playing out of position, but fine. I understand it. Um, Mokathisi at right guard, I guess. Get it too. like I uh, I that's that's n- I'm not sure I would play Mucafisi at right guard. I think I would probably want um like Comp to be playing at right guard. But I sort of got it. You Is know, you like we
2: saw from Comp at center. No, that's, I mean yeah, that's mm-hmm.
1: But well, see, so now we're getting into the stuff that I don't get. So when Kump debuted at center, I was like, what is going on? Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it did make sense once they made a decision to have Kump at center. Then I was like, well, now I understand Mokofisi at right guard. Um, but I didn't understand comp at center. And then when Kump got replaced by, uh, 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 I was like, why are they rotating at center?
2: I'll stop here, JT. Why are they rotating at center? Um, well, I the, the rotating part of it is that's yeah. I, I mean, I think did, wasn't Coley the only one who played last week? Did I? Did Jaren uh, get in well, I mean, now? like I
1: between games, I don't mean. Oh I, no, I Coley's mean the guy.
2: Like, So, Coley's the guy now. Uh, Jaron was. Oh, I don't is
1: know, he? Oh, I didn't get that memo. This, okay, so
2: this is another one of the uh, weird injury things. Like, I have no idea if Coley was just hurt. I have no idea if they just thought that originally Johnny Maya was the starting center. I think he's just been yes. out all season. Oh um, yeah, no, no, I did get that
1: memo. I, I, I had Maya penciled in as the center, and then when he didn't show up at all, I was like, oh, this guy might be hurt. And then I did a little more reading and found out, oh, he is hurt. So who are they going to put in? They're putting in Comp. What? The The hell, yeah!
2: (laughs) It's uh, yeah, that was a surprising one, and I I do not think it's a Jaron Comps, really good guy. Um, I I just don't think it's a coincidence that this offensive line is playing better without him. I thought, especially in blitz pickup, um, Mm, in the Oregon State game, a few other ones really struggled with some of the stuff coming right at him, just locking on the defensive linemen when you got to see linebackers coming that are basically going right past your face. So I think Coley's done a much better job at center. Um, I think most so you PC think has,
1: so he's uh, totally the dude now?
2: He's totally the dude, uh pending Maya's return. But I mean, even at this point, it's like unless Johnny's that much better, would it really be that wise of a move to make the swap when Coley and this group, was at least he, at the moment, are playing pretty well together? Because Coley's been the guy for two weeks and I like the way that Utah's been run blocking.
1: Do you and, think he it uh, was do you think he was always supposed to be the guy behind Maya and he just wasn't available I, until now? That. That's my
2: feeling, not talking to anyone, just watching the film, seeing Coley play better. That's how I feel about it. But also, I don't know, because then Kyle Winningham just comes on and goes, well, Coley had a really good week of practice, so that's why he's there. So this is where, I I just don't know. That could be where they mismanaged it. But the nice thing, the lucky thing for you, is, Coley wasn't the difference between them. Uh, not they still would have lost the Oregon State game because Nate Johnson just wasn't cutting in at quarterback. Yeah. So uh, they didn't really cause them that game. But yeah, I agree with a lot of the sentiments you've shared on the offensive line so far. I think we'll talk about the left tackle spot in a second. But going through well, the other no, let's lines,
1: talk about it right now. What's going right on at okay. the left tackle spot? Because okay, I mean. So- I, I, I sort of I sort of got you know er, I understand why everybody's really excited about Spencer Fano. Um yeah, he's gonna be really good. Going to be I, key. I'm <laughs> I yeah, I agree that like some point down the line he's gonna be really mm-hmm. good. Um, he like I'm I'm sorry I, I I hand out grades to everybody you know all 22 players on every snap you know unless they're playing Florida or some team that I don't care about then it's only the 11 Pac-12 players. Uh, like his grades are not g- good. Um, and like, I don't blame him for them not being good. He's a left tackle as a true freshman. Like it's extremely Uh rare that uh, a true freshman in that position, you know, hits the ground, uh, running, um, is him being replaced at times by Tanoa Togiai, who I believe is a converted defensive lineman. Um, is that about performance or about injury or about what?
2: Combination of both because they've been doing it all season long going back to the Florida game. And uh, I actually think you're dead right about Spencer Fano. I think his future is exceptionally bright because he is a four star because he is so young. and He's shown the flashes of the player he could be. I just think it's if you had to ask me, like, which position is the hardest to start at in college football as a true freshman. I very well might say offensive line because I just think there's a certain level of strength you need to get to, especially with the position as key yeah. as the blind side left tackle that. Yeah. That's where I just think they put him in a tough spot. He did. You said um, you didn't really dive a ton into the Florida game. He did not play well the Florida game. In fact, I actually caught a lot of flack on my own show for pointing out that he did not play well because then Kyle Whittingham went on in front of the media and said, oh, I thought Spencer played great. To me, that was well, him. What else is he, he
1: going to say? Exactly.
2: That's oh, well, yeah. I mean, my la- hey, We, he's, we he's sure go blew this. it yeah you know. <laughs> he could go the deon sanders route and just throw his entire offensive yeah, line on that's true line. you're right i appreciate, he could. I appreciate that yeah <laughs> i appreciate the lies he's told uh but yeah spencer even that first game struggled with penalties uh Whole Yeah, uh, false start he had, uh, missed blocks just in general because he's not up to the strength. Even against a team like Weber State, Utah got stood up on a couple yeah. of key fourth downs because the Wildcats defensive linemen were straight up stronger than him. So that's where Fano has had his issues. Um You mentioned Tongai. He's the guy who's come in and rotated in as well. I, I, they have both had their struggles throughout the season for me. Uh, Utah is just lucky that it hasn't really resulted in a strip sack yet, and I thought Tongai had some nice moments against USC. It might have been his best game of the season, honestly. I think it probably was. So that's where you. This offensive line is trending in a better direction post by. but by far the biggest question I had going. No one talked about Brayden Daniels not being on this team anymore, and I think it's just mm-hmm. because of its offensive line. Like having a left tackle in place like that that you feel really good about is really key. He's been around saying,
1: forever, like that. damn was, I mean, was the great like five Utah years,
2: in Yep, yeah. and then you get Brain Daniels moving over the left side, and then it was like, okay, who's it going to be? That kind of that position was in limbo all off season. I give a lot of credit for Fano for taking it. It's really hard to do so, but between him and Tongai, that's a position that can definitely be had for Utah, and they've had some rough moments where they've gotten to beat a lot this season. So left tackle would definitely mm-hmm. be the spot where uh, where I'm the most kind of like nervous about. But I do like the other four guys. Even Mokofisi, he's he's very up and down too. He's gotten a lot of penalties oh, yeah. this season, so I would I would probably rope him and Fano into the same discussion. But uh, I liked what I've seen from Coley. Uh, so Tala gave up that bad pressure that led to the interception that pick six that Bryson threw. But overall, yeah. he's been solid and Bills has been really good, too.
1: I, I mean, I, I don't love judging guy by a single bit, you know, like he, it's For true sure. that he gave up the probably the worst single play. But like yep. overall, his grades on my tally sheet are the highest mm-hmm. on, on the team. The, the lowest is actually Keaton Bills and and has been since the really? day he stepped foot on camp. Oh, God, he's so bad. I don't understand. Like Ke- tough you not see. It. Keaton Bills. Wow, How I much? thought
2: first you. You said you, I thought you said fifty one at first was one of the guys you liked
1: uh no he's the guy I understood because Jim Harding is oh. bizarrely <laughs> in love with that guy Keaton Bills was the guy who got Cam Rising d- destroyed in 2020. like his his terrible block was the way anyway I don't know but I know
2: I think keaton has been solid this year but I can hear your argument because some of but, those this is where it's it hard the miscommunications right because like sometimes I can't tell when it's Keaton's fault when it's Combs' fault and when it's Fano's fault that's just where it's hard to tell for me yeah, because, well, the room, because that I, I should probably tell, tell you
1: something true. about whose fault it is it's Jim Harding's fault okay I just have one question about the <laughs> offensive line uh which is uh, like what is your prediction for who's gonna play left tackle and in what proportion
2: uh on Saturday okay this is where it's always I, I have no idea what's going on with Fano's injury so I just at the moment if Fano's healthy it's gonna be Fano um and maybe if he struggles Tongai rotates in but right now just because last time I saw him he wasn't healthy I'm just gonna assume he's not healthy so I'll go Tongai Keaton Bills uh Coley at center. Right guard will be Mokufisi. Right tackle is Laumea.
1: Okay. All right. Let's switch over and talk about the defense. Um. Let's. Uh. Well, let's start in the middle of the defense. Okay. Um. Uh, so the the actually backing up a second to last year. Last year, I thought it was a little strange that there was so little rotation at the interior of the defensive line. Um, and I was really looking forward to Utah sort of not beefing up. They got plenty of beef or the dudes they have are plenty beefy, but like they needed more dudes I thought they, I actually felt like I was really detecting, you know, later into games when games were competitive, um, that like, Ooh, the, the, and you could, you could track it with like third quarter, fourth quarter, um, opponent rush success rates, like opponents would be more successful running the ball against Utah getting into the third and fourth quarter. And I was like, this is fatigue in the, you know, because they can't rotate, uh, in the inside interior of their defensive line. So if. Fast forward to 2023, and I'm like, well, they didn't take any transfers, you know, and also all the Pututau brothers left, like all four of them simultaneously. It was crazy. And uh, Devin Cafusi, you know, well, Devin Cafusi never panned out. I'm still. Basically, right. seeing what I think is a, a similar rotation, right? Like it's you know I'm basically on almost every snap seeing Junior Tafuna and Keanu Tanavasa, who are really good. You know I got no you know questions or complaints about those guys, but it's actually I still feel like it's pretty rare that I'll see you know the 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 human refrigerator Samote Peppa number seventy seven. I pretty rarely see uh, number ninety five Vamahi. Pretty rarely see number ninety nine uh, Tavita Fotu. And that's pretty much it. Where have I missed anybody? Is there something else going on here? I don't know about what do you, what's your opinion about the interior of the defensive line?
2: I really like the way they've played so far this season. I think you're right with the, they haven't rotated a ton. Um, I think we're starting to see more Peppa. That's the one guy. I feel like it's the three of them. But, yeah, Foto and Vaimahi both have played sparringly. They kind of rotate a little bit. And I really like Vaimahi, so I'd be down to see more of him. And uh, they did get a little bit more run last game. I'm not sure if you guys saw this or not, but uh, Utah was having really fun driving Lincoln Riley insane. Every time he would sub, they would jog and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and run mm-hmm. the clock. They would jog and <laughs> set the tackle on extremely slowly. Whoever he was subbing in for would act like aloof, like he didn't know he was being subbed out. And then yeah, they would yeah. have to like <laughs> tap him on the shoulder. He would do his line and jog off. It was really funny. But either way, yeah, it's mostly going to be the <laughs> puna and Tanu Vasa. I do think part of the reason for that is, is look, those two guys have been the best two defensive tackles so far and teams just haven't had a lot of success moving the ball in Utah. Like, yes, Oregon State and USC both did it on drives, but like, Look out for some of these games. I mean, think about what Utah did against Florida, and Tafuna didn't come back till the Baylor game the week following. But there's been a lot, you think UCLA game, there has been a lot of three and outs this Utah defense is forced. Wow. So that allows Tafuna and Tanuvasa to rest up. And I do expect to see, like, in games like this, where you're not going to force a bunch of three and outs on Oregon. I think we'll see more Peppa. We'll see some too, who made a, did, did make a nice play last week, getting his hands up, batting the ball down at the line of scrimmage. We'll there are a
1: lot of those. This is way higher than the normal rate. Uh, you know, I I, I can track. You, there's a certain number of swats that are simply expected per drop back, and Utah's is higher than that rate. It's not. You're not imagining that they are actually doing that. Like it's they they clearly like practice it. Like it's it's For part sure. of their their, their deal. Um, there's a phenomenon I want to ask you about, and it, it jumps out when I pull the, the per game numbers, um, from, from my charting system, which is that Utah's per play effectiveness in efficiency in yards per play and explosiveness. And this survives for both the pat against the pass and against the run for their first three FBS games and for uh, are really good Like, like really good. Then in their most recent three. So their, their first three FBS games are against Florida, against Baylor and against UCLA. Against their most recent three FBS games, uh, which are against Oregon State, Cal and, 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 and USC. USC, uh, in all six of those categories, you know, success rate against the run, yards per play against the run, explosiveness against the run. And then those three against the pass as well all six categories, they take a hit, like a pretty substantial hit.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and, and, and like, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Like I, I, I the, the numbers are what uh-huh. the numbers are. The only question in my mind is, There's there's two different reasons that that could happen. Well, there's three different reasons. One of them would be that there's been some sort of staff or scheme change, but I know that that's not the case. So I'm crossing that one off the list. So the two remaining possibilities are uh, number one, they lost some key dudes to injury, but I don't think that's true unless you tell me
2: otherwise. And it's the not, other Logan, even Logan Fano, I feel like Van Dyer yeah. and Connor O'Toole have done a very good job of yeah. placing him. And Lander just got hurt. So we want to yeah, apply yeah, that. Again. Exactly.
1: And so the only other possibility that I can think of, and like, I, I kind of hate to say this because this is the kind of thing that like a lot of like crappy people who are not really analysts uh, and, and like just cosplays analysts like immediately grasp for. And so I hate sounding like those people, except occasionally they're right. Um, Is that like I kind of just think that they played three really crappy offenses the their first three FBS games like Florida, Baylor, and and UCLA. I know Chip Kelly, but like Jesus Christ, that's a crappy offense this year. Um, And then I kind of think that Oregon State and and USC, and then bizarrely Cal with Fernando Mendoza. Like I know, like I I've been making fun of Justin Wilcox at Cal for all this time, but like they actually ran the ball with a pretty high success rate against Utah, Uh, which is like bizarre. I know, but like, I kind of just think they, I kind of just think they played really terrible offenses and then they stopped playing terrible offenses and that Utah's defensive numbers are coming down for that reason. And this is why I want to tie this into the defensive tackles. I think that they're, I think they played games that were sort of over. And so the fatigue factor didn't kick in and the problem with the oregon state and cal and uh, usc games is that they went like they went a lot longer and so huh? the fatigue factor kicked in and that that's what i'm that's why i'm tying this into the defensive tackles is that i i sort of think the fact that they don't rotate that much in the defensive line is why the longer the, is why the, like the defense gets worse the longer games get go
2: on do you think i'm onto something there jt I think there's some truth to it, but I will also say this. Like USC scored, yes, they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. One of those is a pick six. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know quality. that. Yeah, the quality. No, and I know you do. The the quality of the opponents has also gotten better. And look, Utah deserves credit for making UCLA's offense. Oh, absolutely. This is a Bruins team that was able to put together drives and score points against Washington State, and also did the same against Oregon State. Even though they fell in that contest, Utah made Florida look abysmal. That's still a Florida team. Tennessee was overrated going into the season, but that's still a Florida team that went into Tennessee and got a tough or took on Tennessee. It was actually that game was I think inside the swamp. But be that that Tennessee team, Utah has made some of those defenses I also think look abysmal as I think it part of the equation and I will say look Baylor they played a backup quarterback so that's one where it was mm. definitely benefited from that but even the Cal game like yeah Cal moved the ball on them they still only scored 14 points and yeah one of those is a missed field goal like that turnovers they really, they
1: really I mean that that's the other thing that Utah should definitely be credit for what a ball hawking team like they oh, yeah. they get turnovers like you mm. can move the ball on Utah and this has been true since I've been watching that team since 2019 like you can yeah. move the ball on Utah but then your drive suddenly ends and Utah has the ball it's like well did it matter that you moved the ball on them yeah. you gave it to them so
2: uh-huh no hey, you're, uh, you're absolutely right yeah what defensive
1: ends um So uh, Jonah Ellis is a me. I really don't have questions about Jonah Ellis. Can I I really
2: quick say one more last thing on the point you made? I understand a lot of the statistics that you brought up about the defense being worse. I would still consider holding Oregon State to 21 in their house a win overall. I would consider holding Cal to 14 a win. And USC, yes, they scored 32. We already mentioned one of those being a pick six. I would consider that a win still holding them to that lower mark in the Coliseum. Now, there are trends you pointed to that maybe they break in the Oregon game. So I think that's something to watch for. But the turnovers and just the level they've played at so far this season. That's why I don't think you can count out this Utah defense. I
1: I don't. Yeah, the the point that I was making is not, I secretly think this is a garbage defense. It's definitely not what I think at all. It's more like. I was trying to see, because the trend was super clear, like super duper duper clear, whether or not there was some set of injuries that I wasn't aware of. Um, and it sounds like the answer is no. So, OK, yeah. that, that's all. I, I just wanted to make sure of, of that. OK, ends. Um, Jonah Ellis, great. I don't have any questions. Um, the two guys that I did have questions about, because I didn't see them in the Oregon State game, uh, yep. Was Connor O'Toole play. and Van Fillinger, but they are back now. I have seen them the last two games against Cal and Southern California, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Okay. I I would grade those three guys in the following order: Jonah Ellis gets an A, Connor O'Toole gets a B, Van Fillinger gets a C. I actually think the order is like very clear, and like the gaps are that big between the, those three. What do you think about that?
2: I think the one thing you got to give Van a little bit of a bump for was, and look, I don't think Van is an exceptional pass rusher. The, some of the plays he makes against the run, forcing that fumble was huge for Utah last week, and he did a good job yeah, punching yeah. the ball out in that situation. But yeah, look, Jonah, you said we don't really need to dive into him because he's been – he yeah, yeah. exactly. He's He's all Yeah, He's just uh, great. Connor, coming into the season, Coach Whittingham said, Connor O'Toole is the best pass rusher on this team. Now that's been yeah. proven not to be true because of what Jonah Ellis has done, but you can see why Connor was the guy they thought would be the best pass rush on his team. Cause even just coming back in these couple of games, he's been explosive off the edge. His long arms allow him to disrupt some of those plays too. And yeah, I do think the order he's is got got Jonah an Ellis,
1: spin move too.
2: Yes. Yes, he does. And he's a former converted wide receiver too. He was a guy like cam rising's first start, yeah, I know, caught it was pass against San Diego state to force double overtime in that one. So it's crazy that he's in this uh, position now. And he grew a lot last season, his first year as a DN, but I, I still like van as kind of that third defensive end that you can rotate in. I think he's physical against the run and we see if there are coverage sacks, he's capable of at least getting those down because the Utah yeah. secondary has allowed a number of those. So I think for a defensive end rotation, I think it's a really good three to have.
1: It's interesting. that it's only three though. Well, with Fano out, uh, yep. S- Spencer's, uh, I guess older brother. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the guy that I was seeing when O'Toole and Fillinger was out was I believe Chase Kennedy. You are correct. Um, that who's I mean he's listed as two thirty five, which like I'd only believe that if he had like twenty pounds of books in his backpack when they weighed him. <laughs> like uh he he just wasn't getting anything done against Oregon State and Oregon State's got a good offensive line, but like it was he might as well not have been on the field. And I I guess my concern is or my concern would be that like okay. Fano's out. They've only got three guys. I mean, they might as well not have a fourth guy. And that's sort of, again, going back to like what I was saying about the defensive tackles is like, I I sort of think fatigue is an issue. Like with a four down front, you would want this group to be four deep. And I, I think they're only three deep. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, they are only three deep. I think you're right. I mean, we haven't, once again, though, I thought they were good against USC late in that game still. They did some good things yeah. against Cal, too, yeah. and even going to the Oregon State game. Look, I know they allowed, allowed a lot of touchdowns throughout that game. They allowed a couple of touchdowns, but they still made stops up front. So you're right. That could potentially be something that pops up against the Oregon game, but I think as long as you can just, look, these guys are, look, they're defensive linemen. They train for this. Like, I do think, for, especially the DMs, they're in good enough shape where on this long oh, drive, sure. You have one of them play, like, just get the three-man rotation going in so that one of them is always getting a little bit time to rest on those longer drives. That's where I think this defensive line is capable of stepping up to the plate, and I think it's going to be a really fun battle in the line of scrimmage. Sort of, you, know, just the, the
1: you know, Utah is at this point a one-loss team, and they definitely have, like, you know, th- I'm sort of projecting, like, this is a team that could be playing in a New Year's Six game in which they're not playing teams like Cal and Baylor, you know, yeah. it's like, how would this team stack up? Not just against Oregon, but like potentially against teams that are like New York six caliber, in which case questions like how deep does your defensive line group go? You know, mm-hmm. like those are relevant questions and it's worth asking, you know, For sure. um, all right. Let's talk about the linebackers. So Lander uh, Barton, unfortunately, is now the latest dude out for the season. We've seen Cranny uh, Reed um, all season long, number 21. We've also seen the guy who transferred in from Stanford, Lavani Mooney. I kind of hated that dude at Stanford. He was part of a, like a four-man <laughs> group who all sucked. He hasn't sucked as bad at Utah, so maybe it was just the Stanford effect. the The question that I have is this group goes to three uh, they're they're usually in a 4-2-5, but when the opponent um, uh, brings out uh, like a heavier set, they'll bring in a third linebacker. They've said that Damuni will take Barton's spot, but who takes Damuni's spot uh, when they go to a three-linebacker look? I've seen a little bit of Sioni Foto, the dude who returned. Like, he missed 21 and 22, um, but like he's come back. Is he the new Levani Damuni?
2: I guess I'll be honest with you. Uh, what I've seen out of Foto so far, I haven't been the biggest fan of. I feel like he's missed some tackles, and uh, I, I just I'm curious to see how often we do see three linebackers because I think as much as Utah right. would love to, I think that's where they would just love to have Cole Bishop playing in the box as much as they can. I mean, I kind of haven't Beckwith
1: been wild there. about this entire linebacker room and for a long time. Like, I wasn't wild about Diabate. Uh, oh, yeah, were no, we were on the
2: same page there, we're on the same page there,
1: <laughs> and it's sort of like you know. Oh man, we could talk for a long time about this linebacker room. Um I
2: think, I think they've been playing pretty well this season though. I mean they've been I mean I don't know. I breakers. I agree.
1: I agree. I think it's yeah. not as deep as it needs to be and I think it's crazy because Fair. Utah always has good linebacker coach like Ina and the guy before him, I, who whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um like I think they're good linebacker coaches but then they don't recruit good linebackers. It's weird. Like they always I, have to borrow on, them from you
2: get Land- Lander Barton. I think Medlock is a Medlock made a lot of plays in the spring. I think it's more so about the quality of guys starting ahead of him rather than his abilities than anything else. And I I, the, the photo piece is the one that scratches my head, but I think the the three they had with Lander Reed and if and we're included in De Mooney, I think all those guys have been pretty good this season,
1: but it's like, they keep having to take from the safety room, you know, or like, you know,
2: like they have Which like could be viewed as a negative, but can't that also be viewed as a positive just with how good Cole Bishop's been? I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Let's talk about the safeties The you don't like Cole Bishop. I love Cole Bishop. I have for years have been writing about how Cole Bishop uh, was my favorite safety in the Pac-12. I think it was really like bonkers about this situation was that they had three different box safeties, right? Nate Ritchie, who comes in from the, from the 2020 uh, cycle, but then goes to his uh, LDS mission, and then they have uh, Cole Bishop and Sioni Vaki. Um, in tw- you know Bishop comes in in 2021. Uh, he plays right away. He plays great. Love that dude. I'm I'm not joking about this. Read my articles. I love Cole Bishop as box safety. Then Sioni Vaki comes in and he is playing as a true freshman as, as Bishop's backup. And so in 2022, it's like they super upgrade because they can rotate, you know, so Bishop can get like Gatorade and, you know, they're incredible, but now Richie comes back. So they have like a three man, uh, uh, you know, log jam at the single box safety position. In the meantime, they, you know, they lose, uh, RJ Hubert, uh, they lose, uh, Malay, uh, Tanavasa, they lose Clayton Isbell, um, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of have this like log jam at a single position, and they don't have anybody at the deep safeties, right? Like Bryson Reeves ain't ready to play. Darian Blue Sitter ain't ready to play. In their spring game, they were playing nothing but uh, uh, walk ons like Preston Buick, whose name they misspelled in the back of his jersey. Uh, they brought in uh, Britton Allen from USC, who's been injured oh. for two years and who, you know, hasn't played. Uh, they, they have a freshman,
2: Jonathan Hall, he hasn't played, right? The guy so- that Kyle Whittingham actually highlighted as a- it'll be hall and a richie if we see vaki get more snaps on offense they said those will be the two guys that will play more
1: it, yeah so true freshman but i don't like we haven't seen hall this year have we i agree and i haven't so, like
2: we haven't seen hall and i haven't loved what i've seen from richie to your point so <laughs> so yeah that's kind
1: of crazy too because i like richie as a true freshman you know and so i don't know maybe it's just he, hard when you he, take he that ate much, time too much off, lime jello on his mission like i don't yeah. know but like uh the 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 I think basically where I'm going with this is they moved, uh, Tao Johnson, the redshirt freshman from where I think he's supposed to be playing cornerback, but now he's playing nickel. They've moved. Vaki is playing, you know, the full-time, you know, box safety. Richie is rotating and they moved cold Bishop back to play, you know, deep safety. I don't think this is my opinion. And potentially you're going to try to reach through your microphone and punch me in the face. So I'm, (laughs) I prepared myself for it. Uh, again, I want to reiterate I've been writing for two straight years how much I love Cole Bishop as a box safety. They've moved him back due to this log jam, and I think some mismanagement of the safety room, and also the fact that the linebackers keep stealing from the safety room. They have moved Cole Bishop back to play a uh, deep safety, and the numbers don't lie. His grades have fallen. Like he takes bad angles. He is missing tackles. He is not as effective as a deep safety as he is as a box safety. This is his worst year as a Utah Ute. I think it's a problem. Um, I I think actually the entire secondary is a problem in coverage and that their pass defense is as good as it is entirely due to one person named Jonah Ellis.
2: Okay, coming in hot. I like it. Um, I I do disagree with a few things. Number one, I do wait, wait, expect- no, sorry.
1: I think that the linebackers are also good. Uh, no, yeah. so, sorry, but but uh, now that they have the no, situation you, I, that they do, yeah, you're I talking think about the defensive problem. back
2: backs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get you there. And I think what I would say is I agree with some of the things you've said. I do think Bishop's been really good overall on the season still. So I don't know how much of that is just – is that more so USC game? Is that where you saw a lot of that? No,
1: I, it's all season long.
2: And is I'm not saying season. that he's bad. He's, I'm saying that he's worse really than good. he
1: was yeah. as a box safety. Okay. I'm not saying I, I that right. he we're turned see, into a We still seen him in
2: the box a large amount throughout know, the game. but who do they play other. back? Who, who
1: are they playing deep?
2: Who well, I, that's where I think against, let's move to Oregon. I think against Oregon, this is what I would do if I was Utah. I would put Cole Bishop in the box lot and I would have Tao Johnson back deep because I think Tao is growing in that free safety role. And I think Cole is so good that. So then who would you play in the Cole. box? Nate Richie? That's that's I want Cole in the box. That's what I want. And I want Tao back. That's what I would rather have so him do. Well, then who would.
1: Okay. So you'd have Tao back. You'd have Cole in the box. And who'd be the other guy back? Sione Baki?
2: I would want no well only can play a little bit too, but when you're talking about that habit, you those are your two safeties. I would have Cole out there and Teo out there. And then I would get Miles Battle, JT Broughton, Zemaya Vaughn. I would have those guys be the you'd corners. You'd have three you'd T. play you'd play three corners, Cole in the box. And Teo um. back which is what I think we've seen Utah do. Miles Battle, Coach Winningham said it himself, Thought he played his best game as a Ute against USC. I, I think that was the example. I think we saw that there. Zamaya Vaughn really starting to come into his own. I thought he did a good job against Brendan Rice. And JT Broughton's been pretty good in coverage all year too. He Yes, Utah has gotten gashed and given up some big plays. But even when they have they've responded for the most part on the season. We talked about how good the red zone defense has been for Utah. And when they've given up a big pass play, they usually come back and they don't let the team just march down the field on them again. They'll force a three and out. So I do think this defense from top to bottom has been really good. I think the secondary stepped up and made some plays too. Oregon is going to have some explosive plays against this defense. I think they will, but that's more credit to what Oregon is good at to me than to knock on Utah. A lot of things you're saying could come to fruition, but I think Utah has a chance to really use Cole Bishop as he should be inside the box and, you know, rotate it with Sione Vaki a little bit too, and I do think Utah could could have defensive success in this game, and I think it's going to be a struggle for Oregon to cross over 30 inside Rice-Eccles Stadium, especially when we start factoring some of the crowd noise and other elements, but just focusing on the players I am terrified
1: of Rice-Eccles, like it gets loud, I know
2: I said I wouldn't bring up the Britton Covey thing again, but I, that's the (laughs) second loudest I've ever heard that stadium only beating that was when Cam Rising powered in the two-point conversion versus USC, that I was like, this is the loudest building i've ever been
1: in. <laughs> let me just let me see if i can rather than asking like quality questions let me ask quantity questions okay let me list the number of guys who i think are like available like playable dudes in the secondary and uh so number four broughton number five vaughn number 15 johnson number one battle number eight bishop number 28 Vaki. Number thirty-one, Richie,
2: mm-hmm. and maybe Jonathan yeah. Hall, based on what Whittingham said.
1: Right. Okay. So I have listed uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then you added uh, an eighth. And one of them is a two-way player who's playing like 160 snaps. <laughs> uh, and and one of the, and the eighth guy that you mentioned is a true freshman we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I like it, even if these are the eight best secondary players in the universe which they're not, they're not, I uh, <laughs> like that's not enough. Like that's, that's sort of my complaint. Like I, I don't, yeah. I like my, it's a roster management complaint. Like I don't think they have okay. enough dudes
2: they've done. I mean, they've they've been good so far this year though. So are you just expecting it to fall off? Like, do you think Oregon and then like the Washington game, like forget Oregon
1: running? for a second. I just like, I think they're going to be playing better passing teams than they played so far. Like, I think that, Baylor was a terrible passing team I know that UCLA is a terrible passing team with Dante Moore I know that Oregon State is a terrible passing team I know that Cal is a terrible passing team and then I know that like Lincoln Riley was making really 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 stupid decisions in that game um and so like you know and I know that Jonah Ellis is a really really good pass rusher but I think that you can just put like double him I think you can just put, you know, add a tight end to whatever side oh, he's on. And definitely. like, and I think that Utah's pass rush
2: can be neutralized. Um, when you when you go back and check out some of that st- the film and things like that, and you mentioned the statue compounding, don't you see the coverage sacks too that we've also seen on there? I mean, I think goal, they can goal.
1: definitely play zone. Like, I definitely yeah. think that that's true. And I definitely think that Morgan Scalley loves to do that. Um, uh-huh. I think when they want to blitz, um, that they need to go to man. And I think that uh, if the pocket holds up against man, that this defense can get tripped. I also see a ton of coverage busts. Let me ask you this question as a comparative question. The 2019 secondary. Okay, bring it back. Yeah. If you had a magic wand and you could replace any of the starters in this secondary with his counterpart from 2019, would you do it?
2: I think I would do Julian Blackman for uh, Tao Johnson. I think that's the one that sticks out to me. Is there is there anybody you wouldn't do it to? Well, I mean, of course, you would want Jalen Johnson out there, right? Like, sure. I, I do think, like I said, I've been arguing for these defensive backs. I think they've done a good job this season, but I think Jalen um, is another level. Uh, I think Broughton was on that. Was Broughton on that? Twi- Broughton played on the 2019 team, didn't he? Uh, he wasn't a starter. wasn't the starter, but he might have played a little maybe bit. I he's a true freshman. Um, yeah, Blackman there. Um, maybe you want. I guess maybe right now with the injuries, I mean, Terrell Burgess, but I really loved the way that Baki and Bishop had been playing. So I don't know if I necessarily want like Terrell Burgess up. If you're saying I'd get another like an extra talented guy to put in there, especially as like an extra nickel corner, that's where I would take Burgess, of course. But, um, I mean, yeah, that's where I think that 2019 secondary had a couple of game-changing players, but I do, we've already talked about the safeties and I think they've held up well this year so far too. So I just, I don't see the secondary at least to this point as a really devastating part of this Utah defense that has let them down. Maybe there, and I agree, there's been signs where the dam could break, but each week they've responded, even when they have given up the big play, I think it will be the same against Oregon. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: All right, JT, you've been a great sport. I I really appreciate your time. How do you think Bryce Eccles is going to show up for this game?
2: very very well I think look being a, I think everyone wanted it to be a night game that's just what um, I think every college football <laughs> night games are we didn't
0: <laughs> we did really say? didn't uh I promise you we didn't as duck fans we were like yeah exactly
2: <laughs> yeah um, but I just think that the hype of I've already seen people tweeting out about how they're looking they're trying to get work off just to go to McAfee's show on Friday that, that leads me to being super excited about mm. the turnout we'll see for college game day I think that will place will be rowdy from the morning I mean college game day ends at 10 o'clock. I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, let's just stay on campus. We'll do the tailgating, and then we're just going to pour into the stadium. Rice-Eccles Stadium, I'm doing air quotes right now, has sold out for every single game. But for a long time, this will be a legit sellout. It's going to be really loud, and I like Bo Nix. So I'm excited to see, for him, how he's going to do in this environment. This could be his Heisman game if he wants to get back into that race against Michael Penix, which I still think he's in the race. He's just obviously trailing Penix right now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be a crazy environment. um, I, And I'll tell you, I think a lot of Duck fans, a lot of Duck fans actually do feel some kinship with Utah fans for whatever. Probably because, you know, we're not such ancient rivals that we, yeah. we don't have decades and decades of hate towards each other. <laughs> Just some painful memories uh, and, and yeah. pretty even split a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. And,
2: I mean, I can, as much as I can bring up all the stuff that happened in 2021, anytime you guys mentioned 2019, I was like, yeah. no, not that was my first <laughs> Breakout knives. Was like, no, no, Utah. No. <laughs>
0: Um, Well, I bet you a, a lot more Duck fans will be totally willing to root for Utah once they're watching them play Big 12 teams. I can, I can almost yeah, guarantee I can you that. You oh, no, I'm Utah.
1: definitely looking forward to watch Utah, like, smash some fools who play no defense in that league. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
2: And I'm excited to see you guys not especially beat up on USC for us. But yeah, there you some, go. Of, the, there some you of these go. teams yeah, the gotta Ten. keep the
1: tradition alive, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some of these teams in the Big Ten, you guys between you and Washington. Uh and Ohio State knows a little bit since you guys whooped them back up there a few yeah, years right. ago. But uh, yeah. it's don't look at all the other times we've played them, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Locked on Utes is where you should be following JT uh both on Twitter or X whatever you want to call it, and on YouTube. Locked on Utes is the show. JT Wistersillo wonderful talking to you one day i hope our paths cross again uh in in the future maybe at a bowl game maybe at a random non-con maybe in the playoffs who knows uh you were a delight to talk to
2: great being on with both you guys great stuff thanks for having me
0: all right go ducks and go utes